Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to yet another Ask Andrew. And this one is yet another Ask Andrew on assessment, but it is going to be the last one for now because I've sort of got carried away. Uh, the intention was to to be high-leveling things, eagle-eyeing things, and then once I got into assessment, the questions became pretty profound and, and difficult and, and involved, and I allowed myself to... Um, uh, I just indulged myself. So... Let's let's get our bearings real quickly. We've talked about how there you, you have to assess according to the kind of teaching and learning that's taking place, and so we've talked about how there are there are ideas, there are skills, and there are um, facts that kids need to learn. We we even went so far as to say that there's virtue, there's wisdom, and there's a tradition, and that the assessment has to take place based on which of the things the child is learning. Well, okay, fine. And then last session, we talked quite a bit about ideas. How do you assess for ideas? And um, I argued that there's three ways, that, that the first thing you look for is just simple joy, that if the child experiences joy, that's a good indicator that he's learned the idea. Secondly, the ability to incarnate the idea learned. And third, uh, the, the ability to extend the harmony um, that's been gained. So, well... Harmony is the third third uh, way, and what I'm going to suggest here is that harmony is the resolution of a discord in the child's mind, um, in the lesson, let's say, and then harmony can also, if they really get the idea, they then can extend that harmony into new areas, and that's going to come up in, in, in today's talk. Now, what I'm going to talk about today, and as I said, this is the last session we'll do on assessment for now. I mean, it's not that we'll never come back to it, but for now. And I think, I think it's probably given you far more headaches than, than you wanted anyway. Um, I should state, if I can, the specific idea that I'm trying to communicate. Because you'll recall that one of the things that I'm arguing is that you should be able to communicate the idea once you've learned it. And here's what I'm trying to communicate. Let's see if I've got it. To assess the apprehension of an idea, as a teacher, I look for joy. I look for the ability of my student to embody the idea, and I look for the ability of my student to bring harmony where there was discord. Okay? So, given that, Let's see if I can turn that around and embody it. Can I make this concrete and specific? If I can't, then chances are I don't understand the idea or else perhaps there's something I don't know what I'm talking about that I'm trying to apply the idea to. But here we go. I'm going to frustrate a bunch of you because I find that it's really easy to illustrate things like this using math concepts, but that just put a lot of you into a state of bl high blood pressure, didn't it? So let me just emphasize as, as, as clearly as I can that the point here 
is not to teach you a difficult math lesson, but to show you how you can look for joy, look for harmony, look for embodiment in the student um, by using math as an example. Because since math is so abstract, you, you can see the child's mind at work very directly. Okay? So I'm going to give you... Oh, I should clarify another thing. I'm going to give you four examples, four types, if you like, of how to assess math. But the reason I'm doing that is because I argued that there's four kinds of ideas. You remember this? I said there's process, which is sort of a quasi-idea. I said there's principles, and there's elements, and there's forms. Oh, there's five, and there's categories. Now, let me qualify something here. When I use the term category, it might have been better to say definitions. Um, I'm meaning them similarly. So let me take you through what I'm talking about and talk about and show, and show how to assess for each of these things as best as I'm able, um, stepping through each of those those concepts, those categories of uh, or those types of idea. Okay, the first, the first we'll go with is the definition or the category. Now, how many of you remember when you were in middle school and they introduced, or maybe it was grade school for some of you, but they introduced problems that had letters? Remember that? How many of you, your blood pressure pressure went through the roof, you, you became terrified, and, 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 and ever since then you've been sort of paranoid about math, if not human life? Well, that's because the variable is a difficult concept, especially for a child. No, it's a difficult concept for anybody to understand. After all, for all these years, you've been adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing numbers. Then they threw fractions at you just to torment you. Then they started throwing, uh uh-oh, ratios and proportions. And now they bring in the variable. Well, what, what is a variable? Okay, what I'm the way I'm going to define it right now, and I want to define this in my own words so that you can critique it, but also so that you know what I'm working with. A variable is is a letter or some other sign that stands in for one or more numbers. I'd say in an equation, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just in a formula or something like that. So let me leave it at it's a letter or some other sign that stands in for one or more numbers. Here's an example of an equation with variables. You've, maybe you've heard of this. It's a squared plus b squared equals c squared. Now, that is it an equation with three variables. It's called the Pythagorean theorem. And if you care about it, it's saying that if you take one of the short one of the two short sides on a triangle measure it and then square what you got so if it's 4 inches long and you square that you get 16 4 times 4 is 16 then you add the second side the second short side and and measure that and square it so let's say it's 4 side 4 and 3 are the two short sides okay you're going to have 4 squared plus 3 squared okay that's a squared plus b squared. A is 4, b is 3. Now you've got 16, 4 squared, plus 9, 3 squared. You with me? Did I lose you with all the um, non-consecutive thinking? That's what can happen very easily in math, can't it? So 
I didn't even mean to get into the details of the Pythagorean theorem, so let me just summarize real quick what I'm saying. A squared plus B squared equals C squared refers to the length of the triangle. A squared, if, it's, if A is 4 and B is 3, then we have 4 squared plus 3 squared, and that's 16 plus 9. That means that the other length, the other side of the triangle, is going to be the square root of 25, or what we said was C squared. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. 16 plus 9 equals 25. Well, what I don't know there is what is C. I got C squared. 4 squared plus 3 squared equals C squared. I had to get the square root of that 25, and that gives me 5 squared. So 4 squared plus 3 squared equals 5 squared. Okay, what I hope you'll forgive me for is going into detail on the Pythagorean theorem when all I meant to say is I just used three variables, A, B, and C. I could have said X, Y, and Z. I could have said, I could have made, um, I, I could have made any shapes that I wanted to, but it's conventional to use letters. And by the way, they're really easy because whereas there's only 10 digits, if you include zero, there's 26 letters. And in some alphabets, there's even more. So you have a lot more options. You have a lot more variables. Now, let's say that's what I wanted to teach my student is that a variable is a letter or other sign that stands in for one or more numbers. How do I know if he's learned it? Well, I just tried to show you using examples, and then I got carried away. Did you notice I got carried away on this silly distraction? The distraction was the silly part, not what it was distracting me. The Pythagorean theorem is so beautiful and so interesting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that I got carried away on that and lost sight of the main point I was trying to make, which is that here are some variables. They're standing in for numbers. Well, if at some point that became clear to you, while I was talking, and I doubt it because I taught it so badly. But if that became clear to you, that blood pressure that went up at the beginning of this lesson went back down again. And if you've wondered for years and years about it, or if you're just curious about this sort of thing, you did feel joy. Now, I can't see you, so I can't assess you for your joy. But in some minor way, at least, you felt joy. Now, that joy, as I said last time, might have been simply relief. But I think, I think there's a deeper joy that we humans experience when we experience any sort of harmony. We just, we delight in, in, in harmony. So, that's what happens. Now, but but there's, there's insight. See, I could say insight is joy. You see, perhaps, a beautiful pattern or, or a beautiful potential, even. And, and that gives you pleasure. Okay, but the next thing is I need to explore whether you can embody what a variable is. Now, if you now understand that you can put a letter in for a number or numbers, because remember, on that Pythagorean theorem, A could have been 7, it could have been 14, it could have been 2 million, and B could have been 27, it could have been 98. The, the important thing is the relationship between the variables a, B, and C has to be equal, you see? And that's, that's a, a pretty important principle, the principle of equality, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But if you, if you just learned what a variable is, then I could say to you, okay, here are, here are three numbers. Replace each one with a letter. Now, that's not exactly enough, 
nobody gets me started. If you start saying to me, what letter should I use? Then what I know is you're not very comfortable yet with the concept of a variable. Now, another thing I could do is I could give you a variable and I could say replace that with a number. And it's really at a certain level, it's that simple. But here's the trouble is that we, we tell kids what a variable is in the middle school years. We don't make sure they grasp it. And as simple as it is, it's buried by untold expectations, untold numbers of expectations that they have when they come into the class. That's a crucial point. The simplest, simplest idea is not understood if there's a lot of barriers to understanding it. And that's what sometimes has to be removed. So I need to make sure that my student can now embody the idea of a variable. And I simply mean that I need him to be able to replace a number with a letter. And, and that, that, letter, that letter has to have a significance, a meaning in relation to numbers. Okay. For now, let's leave it at that. I need to be able to see my student do it. Now, harmony is that feeling of resolution that if you understood what a variable is, you got it. And, and you know, okay, all these times I've seen these letters and these equations, they haven't made sense to me. In other words, I've been confused. In other words, I've been suffering discord. Well, now that you understand what the variable is, you don't have that discord anymore, and you are capable of, um, well, you, you just do. You resolve the discord. The discord is resolved for you. Now, what you're capable of is extending that harmony. Now, here's what I mean by that. Now that you know that this particular variable is is uh, standing in for a number, you could do a lot of equations. You could even create your own equations using variables. And I could say to you, okay, here's a number. Here's an equation: four plus three equals seven. Rewrite that with variables and give it back to me. And you might write a plus b equals c. You might write x plus y equals z. You might write four plus y equals seven. Any of those would be correct. But what you're able to do now is extend the harmony into new situations. And that's what I need. In a way, that is embodying it. But that's the, that's the um, proof that I need that you've learned your lesson. Okay? So, joy, embodiment, harmony. Um, the difficulty of, of a variable of an abstract concept is that it's abstract. And so what can seem simple to illustrate can end up being really hard if all you have is verbals. And I'm going to try to come up with, I'm realizing that the way I've been talking is probably even confusing. So I'm going to try to come up with a, an example that's not just a um, variable, um, um, not such an abstract definition. So let's say deciduous. Okay, if, if I use science now, we use the word deciduous. Well, what does deciduous mean? When you first see that word as a kid, if it comes at you um, without context, you can feel very frustrated and confused. And so when you learn what it means, that deciduous comes from the Latin deciduous, de, 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 well, decada, which means decadera, which means to fall down, then, then you're okay with that. 
you know, and, and you can you could even make the link yourself and feel the joy. Maybe even somebody just heard me say that and felt joy. Okay, now I need you to embody that word in a sentence. That tree there has deciduous leaves. That tree doesn't. Okay, that, that's an example of embodying it. And the harmony is if you're right, you're able to see particular trees that, that it's appropriate and fitting to say it's deciduous. Okay, so joy, embodiment, harmony. In terms of a definition, and I shouldn't have done that first, I realize now, because that's the hardest one. Let's think about form now. Let's think about how you find um, joy, embodiment, and harmony when you're evaluating whether a child has learned a form. Okay. Now, let's take this, this idea, since we're in math, let's take a proportion. Now, a proportion, I can confuse you even more by saying, is two ratios that equal each other. Okay. Now you're saying, well, what's a ratio? And a ratio looks like any number related to another number. And in a certain sense, you could say that is what it is. A ratio is when you have, when you compare numbers to each other. I could say three to four. Okay, that's a ratio. Three over four is one way. A fraction is always a ratio. So I could say three to four, three over four, something like that. Now, a proportion then is when I have two ratios that equal each other. So let's say my first ratio is x over 4 or x to 4. And my second ratio is 6 to 8 or 6 over 8. Notice what I just did. I brought in a variable. Okay. Because I want you to see what a, I want you to see how to use proportions and the great pleasure of proportions is that they en- they enable you to figure out relationships between things mathematically. <coughs> okay, fine. But if you don't see what the proportion is, if you don't know what the form of a proportion is, you're just frustrated. So now I give you type after type after type and you see uh, x over 4 equals 6 over 8. Then I see then I give you x over 3 equals 6 over 9. Then I give you um x over 8 equals 2 over 16. And one after another, I give you these, these proportions. Or I could say 3 over 4, three, 3 to 4 is like 6 to 8. Okay? Those are proportions. Now, once it sinks in what a proportion is, you feel relief, you feel joy, you say, oh, cool. And one of the pleasures is now you can use it. Okay, so if I'm going to, now I need to see you embody a proportion. And so what I'll do is I'll give you, or maybe I'll ask you to create your own proportion. I'll say, I'll say create a proportion using any, any pieces of pie or cake or whatever, and I'm compressing and I'm assuming that you're really old here. Um, a high school student by, is what I mean by really old. Um, but I might, say, I might say, okay, now g- give me, give me a, a proportion of your own. And I might, I might put you in a situation where there's certain students doing one thing, another group of students doing another thing, a percentage of students doing one thing, a percentage of students doing another thing, anything like that. If you can do it, and this is the point, if you can do it, then you've learned what a proportion is. And that's what I need you to demonstrate. I've seen the, the introduction of joy into your soul because it looks like you've got what a proportion is. But now I need to see, can you embody it. 
And that, again, is intimately bound to the idea of harmony. The resolution form of harmony is when you think your mind was confused and now you get it. Okay, you can, you can look at X over 4 and then, and then 6 over 8 and you can say, oh, those are proportionate. Now, the extended harmony is when not only do you say, I can see it there, I can see what, what's, what's right in front of me, I get that that is a proportion, but now you can start looking at them in other mathematical areas, let's say, but even in life, you can start, you could realize, for example, that many, that, that chords in music are proportionate. You can start to see that, that all over the place, you run into proportions and they're very helpful. Um, cooking, you can make applications, right? And some people might say, well, why do you keep talking about harmony instead of applications? And the reason is because applications are so limited and harmony are so, harmonies are so extended. So that's a form. Now, I don't have time because of how long I spent probably on the Pythagorean theorem to go into elements and processes in detail about the joy, the embodiment, and the harmony. But I hope, I hope that you've seen um, something about how when you perceive with your soul what's going on, you do feel joy. And the reason you feel joy, and, and, and as an assessor, that's what you're looking for is that joy. And then you're looking to see if they can embody it and then extend the harmony. And I'll just say that if they don't have any of the joy, you need to be sensitive to that because it's, hard, it's highly unlikely they simply don't know what you're talking about and won't be able to do the application. So if I throw now at you that the elements of a proportion are ratio, digit, and variable, well, what good did that do you? I just threw it at you. But if you know what it means and you're comfortable with it, then you can embody it and extend the harmony. Same with a process. I might say to you, solve a proportion with a variable. So X over 4 equals 6 over 8. Now solve that. Well, how do you solve it? I don't have time to go into how you can solve that now. But if you can do it, you'll feel joy. And if I see that you are not happy, <laughs> if you are not at rest, then it would be wrong for me to send you out on that journey by yourself. So... Watch for joy. Watch for their ability to embody what they've learned and watch for their ability to, to uh, enjoy or to experience the harmony. First, the harmony of resolving the discord that they began the lesson with and second, the harmony of extending, the, the, second, the ability to extend the harmony into new areas. And, and again, those new areas might be within what's just been learned or it might even extend into parallel existences like I mentioned music and cooking before. Um, math is a is a formal subject that's about bringing harmony to the world, and I can't emphasize enough how very very powerful it is for that and how much you use it. Now, I do want to say something about a challenge that you'll encounter because the next question that comes up is, well, how then do I assess ideas in a big classroom with a lot of kids? And I'm going to be unkind in the way I put this and say that structures that don't work make assessment really hard. If you are asking how to standardize assessment of an idea, I don't think it can be done well, if at all. And this is why assessment has the power to undermine education so effectively. Because the things that matter most in education are the things that only the teacher can perceive in personal relationship. 
And so when you are looking for the joy, how are you going to put that on an SAT test? When you're looking to see a truth embodied, <clears throat> yeah, there's ways that that can be done indirectly on a, on a multiple choice question, but not very well and not very directly and not with a lot of extra work. And then how do you look for their ability to extend the harmony? The whole notion of a standardized test is that you're functioning within a very small domain. So what I'm really getting at is if you're in a situation where you have so many kids in a classroom, you're going to have to make a distinction between teaching ideas, skills, and facts. And as much as possible, teach facts to the whole group because that's easy. You, know, you can tell a story to 10,000 people. Teach skills to kids at, at their ability level, and probably you need to break them into groups to do that. You certainly need to coach them. And teach ideas in, in as much as possible, I would argue, in, in a group, small group format, maybe as many as 12 people, depending on how close the people are to each other in terms of perceptive capacity. Um, but when it comes to math, you're probably looking at groups of three or four, which should be dynamic. I don't believe in breaking a class up into the quicker and the slower group. I think that what you should be doing is teaching them ideas and that when you're focused on ideas, then it flows. Some kids are readier for ideas than others, and, and it's not always what you expect. But the only way I can think of in a really large group setting to, to properly assess for idea perception and harmony is to is to set aside time for as close to personal interaction with each of the kids as you possibly can. And it becomes an administrative problem. But that's because our schools are set up on an industrial model, not a classical model, and not a humane model. Um, I mean, generally speaking, our conventional school structure. And frankly, we just have to make the best of it. And, and that's enough. That's enough. Don't be, don't be angry and you know, don't, don't be frustrated with me or with the school that you're working in or whatever. Just make the best of the situation you're in and pray and thank God that he's sufficient to the task. And you know, when, we're, when we're free, we should keep our freedom. And when we're slaves, we should obey our masters. That's what the Bible teaches us. But never stop praying for freedom. So assess. Assess wisely, assess carefully, and understand that assessment drives a great deal of the curriculum. And if it doesn't align with the pedagogy and the curriculum, it will undermine it. And if we're seeking wisdom and virtue, then we have to assess for wisdom and virtue. And that means that we have to give a very high priority to perception of truth, to capacity to bring harmony, and just frankly, to apprehend ideas, even simple ideas like equality in math or um, a subject-verb agreement in grammar, whatever, we need to be constantly assessing whether they're perceiving ideas. Now, I apologize that this is such a long ask, Andrew, but be relieved it is the last of the assessments. The last Ask Andrew's on assessment for a while. So do send in more questions. I appreciate them very much. And I am trying to keep my answers short, but I see that today I failed once again. And so my assessment of myself is I'm a loser. But I do pray that the Lord will remember you in his kingdom. Thank you.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.